Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. several verses, but I'm going to note a few things that I really hope will capture your attention today. (laughs) Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 1, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, Get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. That last statement is very important. Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hands, in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. Notice this conversation here. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. They came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him, make a note of that, behind him, a ram was caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, for it is said to this day, that last phrase, in the mountain of the Lord it shall be seen. Would you stretch your hand this direction and pray God's blessing and anointing over his servant, over his word today. Father, we come before you right now. Lord, I am keenly aware There is an awe and a reverence in my spirit right now for the atmosphere that has been charged with the spirit of the living God. 
Right now, Lord, there's, there's nothing, absolutely nothing I can do in my flesh if you don't touch me. But, Lord, if you'll touch your servant and you'll anoint your word, God, there will be fruit that will abound. We believe that. As the water goes forth to water the earth, the rain, so your word will go forth. And I pray it will not return void, but will accomplish that which you intend for it to accomplish. We ask these things and we pray for these things in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. The title of the message this morning is Seeing for Real. Seeing for Real. The only man in the Bible of all the great heroes of faith that was called a friend of God was Abraham. Who would not want a relationship with God like Abraham had? God talked with Abraham, said to him one day, get out of your country. And Abraham, 75 years old, just packed up all of his servants and his belongings, and he just started walking. The Lord said, everywhere you tread your foot will become your land. What a relationship. There was occasions when God would visit Abraham, and he would do it in the form of an angel. What an amazing relationship. In our text before us, chapter 22, God just calls his name, Abraham. And Abraham just simply responds, Behold, here I am. Oh, to know God's voice like that. What a connection. What a devotion. It is truly an honor to be sent for by the king. He receives from God an astounding and a very disturbing command. Go to Moriah and offer your son on the mountain that I choose. Abraham heard God. Abraham believed God. Abraham obeyed God. It was just that simple. There was no debate. There was no arguing. There was no back and forth. He heard. He believed. He obeyed. Now, it is believed that it was a three days journey from where he was when he got the command to Mount Moriah. I can't even begin to imagine the weight, the heavy burden of Abraham's heart and how crushed he was within at the command of the Father. I imagine it was painful when his young son Isaac simply said, Father, every man in this room that has children would have been crushed knowing that you're under a directive from God to sacrifice your only son. 
But I want you to know something today. I don't want you to believe for one moment that he despaired. He might have been crushed. He might have been wondering. Sometimes question marks cause me great fear and anxiety. Causes me to be emotional when I don't know the answer. Don't know how it's going to turn out. But I believe he was such a man of faith that he did not despair. I do not believe that his faith was lost because of the depths of his anguish. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I listened to the words that he said to his servants at the base of Moriah's mountain when he said this, Abide here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. The implication was that me and the boy are going up, and me and the boy are coming back. Hallelujah. (laughs) With an order to sacrifice his son, and a statement of faith that he and his son would return to the servants. There's been all kinds of speculation about Abraham's words to his servants. Some said it was the expression of a wish. Some said it was a confused gesture. Some believe that it was an unconscious prophecy. But Hebrews 11 and 19 pretty much nails it with an answer. Because in Hebrews 11 and 19 it says this, Abraham accounted that God was able to raise Isaac up even from the dead. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. I want to talk about the revelation this morning for a moment. You see, it was imperative that Abraham go to the land of Moriah and offer his son Isaac on the mountain that the Lord would choose. The Lord would choose the mountain. Not Abraham. Abraham wouldn't pick the mountainous range. Abraham wouldn't even pick the mountain in Moriah's territory. The Lord would be the one that would choose the specific mountain. It wasn't Mount Nebo. It wasn't Mount Sinai. It wasn't Mount Olives. It had to be Mount Moriah. And can I just stop here and preach a little bit? Because often... We want to sacrifice to the Lord, but we want to do it at the place of our choosing. Sacrifice at the place of our choosing, the truth is, is not really sacrifice at all. (laughs) We want mountains of our consideration, mountains of our comfort, mountains of our convenience. But I'm here to preach to you today that when God points us His way and we follow, He will provide the solution when we get there. Hmm. Someone ought to shout praise the Lord right there. If we go to the mountain that God chooses, if we go to the place that God has ordained, when we get there, we can be assured that God is going to meet us with the provision for our situation. But too many, too many of even God's people, they try to negotiate with God in areas that are clearly marked in His Word. And somehow you believe That you can negotiate God down from the mountain of his choice for your life. 
And let me just tell you, if you've tried to negotiate with God and you say, well, you know, I like this mountain a little better. It's not quite as steep. It's not quite as taxing. It doesn't take as much out of me. It's a little more comfortable. It's a little more convenient. And you're trying to worship God from a mountain that's not ordained of God. And you're trying to sacrifice to God from a mountain that is not ordained of God. And then you wonder why you're spinning your wheels and not getting ahead in your spiritual walk. And you're not getting ahead in this life that he meant for you to have more abundantly. Maybe it's time to stop dead in your tracks and say, Lord, I'll be willing to descend this mountain of comfort and convenience and my consideration, and I'm willing to go to the mountain of your choice because when I get there and I give myself completely to you, you will supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. <laughs> we ask God to bless our mountain. Our Mount of Olives and our Mount Nebos and our Mount Sinai's. And God who is omnipresent everywhere at one time and yet he's nowhere within a thousand miles of the mountain of our choosing. Because it is not his plan for our life. And yet you expect, we expect him to provide when we get there. Oh, but praise the Lord. When we go to the right mountain, when we go to the right mountain, when we go to the place of sacrifice, the place that God has led us to, we can count on at the other side of the mountain, there's going to be provision. You see, I personally believe that at the base of the opposite side of Mount Moriah, there was a, a ram that was feeding, minding his own business until suddenly this awesome unseen force overtook that ram and he sprinted up that mountain. I'm telling you, it was no coincidence that that ram was there. That ram was there because God ordained that ram to be there. And I'm telling you, miracles will come your way. Provision will come your way. And you won't be able to figure out. You will just know that he is Jehovah Jireh for you because you went to the right mountain to sacrifice to your God. God's children who go to the right mountain, who serve God, God's way, who obey the Lord, he sees your need and he provides for your need. And when your man-made provision is over, God steps in and shows you why he is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Why he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Why he is your heavenly father. Now I'm going to tell you something. Let me, just, let me just give you a few suggestions. Because see, here's what I know. And I know believers have challenges. We all do. And we all have areas. And so let me just tell you. Maybe your mountain, Moriah, is a, a mountain of prayer. Maybe you haven't been praying. And Moriah to you today is that you need to reestablish a prayer connection with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Anybody in the house today? Maybe your mountain, Moriah, is praise. Maybe Maybe you're not praising him enough. Did you know you should be blessing the Lord at all times? His praise should continually be in your mouth. You know, in one place in Psalm 65, I believe it says, praise waits for thee, O God, in Zion. That means when God shows up at your temple, there ought to already be a praise on your lips. See, what I sensed on this platform this morning was a choir and a music department that had a praise in their heart. Something was different. Something was unique. 
afternoon that just pumped me up even more for what's coming this week because I believe there are some hungry people in the house. I believe there are some thirsty people in the house. And when you praise God and you say, "My, you know, I haven't been praising him much, but God is saying, go to my mountain, Moriah, and keep my praise on. Let me tell you what's going to happen. When you begin to praise him out of the depths of your soul, then the scripture says he comes down and takes habitation for the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. I believe I'm preaching to somebody that needs to go to their mountain of Moriah and go back to the praising place you used to have in your walk with the Lord. Maybe your praise and maybe your mountain Moriah is a word mountain. Maybe you're living off a Sunday experience and you ain't cracking the book during the week and the Lord is saying, you know what? You're trying to do this out of your own convenience, but I'm telling you, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God is calling some people back to the Mount Moriah of his word. Maybe your Mount Moriah is tithing. Oh, Lord, here we go. He's going to hit on that subject. You better believe it because I know what God wants you to have. He wants you to have abundance. He wants you to have life and life more abundantly. He wants you to prosper as your soul prospers. But because of convenience and comfort and your consideration, you put tithing on the back burner, and yet you wonder why you keep getting further behind and why you keep having more issues in your budget. I'm telling you what you need to do. You need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It's not my promise, friend. It's the word of the living God. For someone else there, Mount Moriah may be serving. You've been taking it all in, Sunday after Sunday, week after week, sitting and consuming, but you're not serving. But let me tell you something today. The scripture is very clear that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So there's not a soul that's redeemed that has a right to say, you know what, I'm going to take a break from serving. If the Son of God left heaven to come down to this earth to serve, then that means there's a calling for every child of God to serve in the pattern and the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wish somebody would say amen. amen. <laughs> Climb your mountain, Moriah. Obey your father. Watch him blow your mind. Watch him blow your mind with his divine provision. Hmm. That's the revelation. Now we're going to get to the real revelation. He said, well, I thought that was a lot of revelation there. No, there's more revelation to unpack in Genesis 22. You stay with me. Scripture said, Abraham looked behind him and saw a ram. I'm convinced somewhere in that moment of truth on Mount Moriah, the place where God had chosen, that Abraham had a prophetic revelation, a vision from God. Stay with me. Isaac, the young man, asked, Lord or Father, we have the fire and we have the wood but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? 
He did not ask, where is the ram for a burnt offering? Abraham answered his son and didn't hesitate to do it. He said to his son, God will provide himself a lamb. He did not say, God will provide himself a ram. And let me just tell you today, it is not about the ram. It's all about the lamb. I'm about to explode up here. In Revelation 13 and 8, from creation, the scripture tells us about a book of eternal life. And the book of eternal life belongs to the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. We, are, we see so many spiritual and biblical sayings about the lamb. We see these words, worthy is the lamb. We see these words, by the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. We, we read and, and hear about a song of the lamb. We read these words, the lamb shall overcome them. Can I tell you something today? I'm looking forward to my heavenly feast. And when I get there, there's a name for it. When I arrive and I'm raptured out of this world for seven solid years, I am going to a special feast, and it is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Again, there is the Lamb's book of life, and I've come by to state unequivocally and square-shouldered and with everything that is within me. My name may not be anywhere here on this earth. It may never appear on a neon sign, but who cares? It may not not ever appear on a television station or on some sports feet, but who cares? Because my name is written in the most important place there is to be written, and that's not anywhere on this earth. It's not about a mortgage statement or a bank statement or my stocks and bonds. Who cares if my name is not on any of that? The one thing that is most important, and that is my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Somebody give the Lord praise. Listen to me. The boy didn't ask where the ram was. He asked where the lamb was. Now, I wasn't born on a farm. And I don't know animals like many in this room, but I know a ram is not a lamb. Praise God. He needed a ram for the moment, but he needed a lamb for eternity. Now, you stay with me because I'm convinced that in Abraham's temporary crisis, God gave him a revelation, a vision of God's divine will for all of us. You see, 4,000 years after that time, there would be a man by the name of John the Baptist, and he would answer Isaac's question. And the, re the way he would do it, is he would see a man walking by and he would say these words. I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And then he would follow up by saying, 
Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Again the next day. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He was talking about Jesus Christ being the Lamb of God. You say, well, what, what does a lamb provide? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because a lamb provides wool. And can I tell you something? When you are a child of God, you are clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul admonished us, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provisions for the flesh. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. When I walk out of this door today, I hope somebody looks at me and says, you've got more lamb in you than you got Donald in you. You've got more wool over you than you got Donald in you. I want somebody to say, I see Jesus shining through you before I even open my mouth because I have put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The lamb provides food. And the scripture says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. John 6, 53. Jesus said these words, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and partake of his body, you cannot be my disciples. Oh, my Lord, let me just stop here because some of them said this is a hard saying. We can't handle this. And they began to walk away. As long as he was multiplying loaves and fishes and feeding their ram needs, their ram needs, they were there. But the moment he started talking about them needing to partake of him as the lamb and not the ram, then they began to walk away because they couldn't handle the saying. He looked at his disciples and said, will you also go away? And Peter piped up and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou only hast the words of eternal life. I'm telling you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and partake of his body, you cannot be his disciples. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ, the wool. You partake of his broken body and his shed blood as the lamb. There is an eradication and erasing of sins through his shed blood. Hebrews tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Today I stand here and I don't have a sin attached to me. Not one sin in my heart. Well, I don't know if I agree with that preacher. Everybody sins every day. That's hogwash. A person does not have to sin every day. I've never bought it. I've never believed it. You get enough of conviction in your life, you'll lay down some of those addictions and all of those addictions and all of those enslavements, and you can live free in Jesus' name. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You don't have to sin every day. I'm standing before you to tell, tell you right now my sins are under the blood of the Lamb of God. Now bear with me. I believe strongly that God gave Abraham a spiritual telescope. I don't know when it happened, but I believe that he looked down through the quarters of time while he was on Mount Moriah. Let me tell you something about Moriah. The place that God chose, you know what it means? Place of vision. Or seen of Jehovah. The, the mountain God ordains Abraham to go to is a place of 
vision. That speaks to future. The ram he found behind him. But God gives him a vision of a a lamb in front of him. Now stay with me. I know some of you are thinking, your wheels are turning. Sparks are flying inside your head. You don't know if you're going to buy into all this. You don't have to believe me. Believe the Bible. God had promised Abraham in Galatians 3.16. Listen to this. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He says not and to seeds as of many, but as of one and to your seed, which is Christ. I believe. On that mountain that day, I believe old Abraham. I believe he saw a manger in Bethlehem. I believe he saw a 12-year-old boy confounding the scribes at the temple. I believe he saw a man weeping in a garden until his sweat became his great drops of blood. I believe he saw a lamb on Calvary. Let me stop here and tell you my personal testimony. You see, I believe I was in Isaac. And I was heading up a hill called Calvary. And there met me, not a ram, but a lamb. One that was meek and not stubborn. One that came on his own and was not forced or coerced. One that of his own free will sacrificed for me. Not one caught in a thicket. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who does provide and will provide. Verse 14, verse 14, this is important. I told you what Moriah meant, a place of vision. Listen to what verse 14, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. In the mount of Moriah, the mount the Lord chooses. I personally believe Abraham shouted all over that mountain. I really do. He's over 100 years old. But I believe the Lord got a hold of him. He had a great time when he saw that vision. Why do you say he saw a vision? How do you know he saw a vision? Well, John 8, 56. Listen, this is what Jesus said. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He was looking for the day of the Lamb. He rejoiced to see my day. Jesus said he rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. (laughs) Is it a reach? You think it's a reach? Listen to Hebrews 11, 13. Heroes of faith, which of course includes Abraham. Listen to what it says. These all died in the faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them. (laughs) 
I'm convinced God showed him what was to come. I'm convinced that while he saw a ram that met his temporary need, God showed him a lamb that would meet his eternal need. With his physical eyes, he saw a ram. But with his spiritual eyes, he saw a lamb. <laughs> Don't miss this. I saw this yesterday. I've never seen it before. When the need was met, the ram was behind him. But the lamb was in front of him. He had a revelation of a ram, but he had a real revelation of the lamb. You will quit floundering when you will put the rams behind you and keep your focus on the lamb. That's why the psalmist would say, I have set the Lord always before me. Somebody's going to get this because you're, you're wrapped up in all these worldly cares and the Lord has sent this simple-minded preacher by to tell you, get your eyes off of the cares and get your eyes on the Lamb. Get your eyes off of the Ram, how you're going to meet it, how you're going to make it, and cast that behind you and let the Lord take care of it and say, you know what? I'm just going to look unto Jesus who is the author and finisher of my faith and I know that I am His child and and he will take care of me. The ram in the thicket satisfied God for Abraham. But the lamb led to the slaughter satisfied God for us. We don't need A ram for temporary provision. We need the Lamb of God for eternal salvation. Where Abraham looked 4,000 years ahead, you and I can look 2,000 years back. And it's still fresh. It's still real. The rich red blood of Jesus is still dripping over sin-sick souls that are finding peace in Christ. Maybe you've heard this story before, but it, it, it touches my heart. It describes me. It's the story of a traveler who went to different cities looking for unusual things where he visited. He was in a town one day and he was attracted to a public building, way, a really tall building, and about halfway up he saw what he called a spire or an engraving that jutted out from the, from the building. As he tried to get in closer, he, he, he looked and he saw the stone figure of a lamb on the wall. 
You thought it was odd, unusual. So there was someone passing by, and he stopped him and said, is there some, is there some significance to that lamb that's jutting out on the high side of that concrete work? The passerby said, well, yeah, at that exact location was where, where a mason lost his balance and fell while the building was under construction. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. The traveler inquired, was he killed? The local resident said, oh, no. It was a miracle. When his friends hurried down there to check on him, they expected to find his mangled body on the pavement. They found him. He was shaken badly. He was bruised up, but hardly a bone was broken. The traveler was amazed. How could it be from that high up? The local townsperson said, Well, it happened that several lambs were on their way to slaughter. And as the mason fell, he landed on the back of one of them. The lamb was killed, of course, but his soft body broke the mason's fall and saved his life. The builder was so impressed that he had a stone lamb placed there as a lasting tribute. The Lord's hit the pause button today for every one of us. To take a few moments to behold the Lamb. 